When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Ginger Birkenbuehl, and I'm Esther Ikoro, and we're the hosts of the Honest Field Guide podcast. Entrepreneurship is no joke. The journey is full of anticipation, failure, hope, and disappointment. You'll make money and be totally broke at the same time. The Honest Field Guide podcast tells you the truth. We know being an entrepreneur is crazy hard, and you will sometimes cry at dinner. Listen in to be inspired, laugh, and learn how to really thrive on your business journey. Wow. Hi, Ginger. Hey, Esther. Tell us who we're with today. So I'm excited because um, this person that we're meeting with is someone that I've admired for a number of years, met him in New York um, at a friend's birthday party, and I was lucky enough to be sitting next to him, and we started talking about music. And this, of course, is before I even knew that he was a lawyer in the music business. And at the time, you know, even still happening now, I have a band with my husband. We have three albums, and I was trying to figure out, you know, bring my music to New York, and maybe I'll hit it big. And lo and behold, my my good friend, you know, her birthday party, she sat me next to James E. McMillan, PC, which is the name of his company. And he's a tremendous powerhouse attorney working with all kinds of fabulous artists. His tagline is, who's your lawyer, uh, which I think is, which is an amazing tagline. And on his website, he goes by attorney, entrepreneur, producer, and executive. James, otherwise known as Jimmy, welcome to the Honest Field Guy podcast. Welcome, I think Jimmy. I need to welcome y'all to New York because you guys <laughs> have had like a whirlwind, whirlwind experience, I'm sure. I know, right? It's blowing up. Yeah. It's just been blowing up. So, um, you know, thank you so much for coming on our show. Thanks for having me. Why don't you tell everyone that's listening about your company and especially and particularly around the fact that you have been an entrepreneur, I feel like, your entire career. Yeah, I've been a lawyer. Well, I've been an entrepreneur for my entire career. Absolutely. I, mm-hmm. I, I was one of those kids who went to college who, um, you know, I think I, I, I worked for some companies for like, you know, like an internship or something like that. Um, I think what I worked for for uh, Procter and Gamble, and then um, and then I was like, I always wanted to be a lawyer. Um, went to law school, flunked out, went back to law school, um, <laughs> excelled. But in the interim, before I, fl- I got back to law school, I got arrested and got convicted of a felony and had a whole bunch of, of stuff to overcome. Wow! But I was, you know, that's. My entrepreneurial journey is definitely one of ups, downs, and and uh, every other way in between to try and figure it out. Right. So how? So you know, first of all, I did not know all that, and that's yeah. that's 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 amazing because when I look at your online profile, and even just based on when I originally met you, um, you know, you're just such a bright, positive spirit. It, the, the energy comes off <laughs> thank of you. you, and I don't know if you know this, but I feel it. I'm no, very sensitive to energy. Thank you. Um, you know, when did you decide that you were going to open your own law firm? Because, you know, black men 
in legal spaces, mm-hmm. it's very different from black women in legal spaces. It's mm-hmm. very different from, you know, any woman in legal space, mm-hmm. right, to decide um, I'm not going to work internally in a company because there's safety, there's there's guarantees, there yep. is a lot of billable hours you have to account for. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of lawyer friends. Mm-hmm. But what made you take the chance? I mean, it's 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 terrifying to be a lawyer and decide you're going to open your own law firm, it's especially when you're black. Well, it, it's interesting that you that you make that observation because I had a conversation with a young woman earlier today and she was looking for, for a job. In the um, in the entertainment space, and she's looking to be a marketing executive in the in the music space, and we were talking specifically about how you have to to be good and to be culturally relevant um, in our and in, to you know to our culture in particular. Um, you you kind of you kind of got to have your ear to the street, and you kind of have to like know the playing field. Mm-hmm. So in my instance, I'm not saying I knew everything, but my gut instinct told me that there was a there was a um, I was I was young still. I had a set of unique relationships that um, I I go into enough schools and enough cities and and states that I knew a lot of my friends didn't have, and um, and a lot of my you know unique relationships the the pe- my friends from those relationships were doing really, really well. And at the time it was like, they were doing um, like, you know, videos and, and they were entertainers. And, um, and I was like, look, you know, I'm here in Texas. I was working at a law firm. I was doing well. Um, but because I had gotten convicted of a felony, I knew that I, I, it was going to be tough for me to, um, to take the, the Texas bar. So it only, I did my research and it was oh, only two states mm-hmm. that allowed me to, um, that were going to allow me to take the bar. And that was uh, New York and California. So, because they did the background check after you do, after you take the bar. So I, I had friends in New York. I took the New York bar. I passed the first time. I was uh, really nervous about submitting my background uh, uh, paperwork. And one day I just, I was at my aunt's house. I was trying to hedge my bets, but I was at my aunt's house in LA and I had taken the California bar. I did not pass the first time. And I was going, I was gearing up to take it again. And one morning, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but one morning, I think I was so stressed about it. Um, I woke up at like maybe like 4.30 in the morning and, it, and I just, I, like my head was buzzing. And it was like, and I just went to my computer and just typed out my statement and sent it in. And, you know, what I'm not telling you is that what I've skipped over is the fact that I had hired a lawyer to handle this for me. Oh my gosh. And <laughs> I, I submitted the statement and my lawyer was against my lawyer's advice, Right. So I sent him a copy of my statement afterwards, and he was really upset. And he was like, you're never going to get sworn in. Why'd you do this? Blah, blah, blah. And um, I got called in for my interview in New York. And when I got called in, um, the gentleman said to me that he had never read a statement like mine. It was very honest. I, I, submit, I, you know, I told him everything that I had done and you know, told him my journey and how, you know, whatever. And, and, uh, and he said that he thought I would be an excellent addition to the New York bar. And he was, his main thing was that, look, you need to tell your story to other people, right? And I was like, wow, like, you know, like literally, like it, it, it brought tears to my eyes because I've been, this was my dream since I was 11 years old to be a lawyer, right? So finally I was able, able to become one. And then the firm that I was working at at the time uh, was uh, a guy by the name of Ed Woods and Reggie Osei. They had a firm here in New York where they represented some of any and everybody um, in hip hop and R&B and in the music business, period, in general, I've been working there for a while, but um, it was time for me. I, I felt like I had learned enough that I could kind of do my thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I went back to New York immediately. I drove down from Albany, um, came back to the city, and I met the gentleman who was in the building 
of the firm that I was working at. He was the guy who sold office spaces. And I talked to him and he sold me a space. And um, and my first space was in in the same building as them. Like maybe like they were on 10. I think I was on 14. <laughs> wow. And I sent them an announcement. They didn't know I was in the building. And I sent them an announcement and told them that uh, I just opened my office and and I just went from there. I, I was like, literally, like I had no money. I had a dream. My rent was $900 a month. My boy was letting me stay in his room, and he, and he had. I mean, an extra you were room. scrappy. You yeah. were just like scrapping. But I you felt were... I was. It, I felt confident I could do it. Where did you get the confidence? I don't know. I was just born with it. I you think. were born with it. I mean, yeah. I'm just. I'm listening to you. I mean, how did you know? What, what signs did you get that said I'm an entrepreneur? Because some um, people don't come to entrepreneurship until much later in life, and sometimes they come because disappointment or failures, or because right. they're. Maybe they're they're tired, but you 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 sounded like you're like 11 years old. You had a dream to be a lawyer, and and you know why didn't you want to go work at? I think know, it came from my dad. Something? It came from my okay. dad and my and my mom. Like you know they were, I, I grew up in a household where they were hustling all the time. They sold real estate. They sold you know they were teachers. They um consistently instilled in me that you know at 18 you're out. You're gonna, you're gonna figure it out. You know um mm-hmm. you are. Mm-hmm. It's either gonna be you know school or the military. You gotta figure it out. My dad was like, I did the military. You definitely don't want to do that, but you gotta figure it out. You're not staying here. So that stuck. Like and I you know and um and then when I got to school, it was like you got four years. If you don't do this in four years, then you're gonna have to figure it out on your own. And um and that stuck too. And um now I was always kind of like trying to figure it out. know you were going to be an entertainment lawyer what no. kind of law are you practicing i no. mean you I, could I, have my, been any kind of lawyer yeah no that that's a good question my, my main thing was i wanted to be a good lawyer and i, I promoted that i'm i promote the fact that i'm an entertainment lawyer but it's always been you know um super important to me to be an excellent lawyer and an excellent person is if i take on your case if i take on your matter then we're going to try and find a solution for you that works and it's, it's just that simple no matter what the matter is now, now what i do think um, that gets people in trouble sometimes is they take on matters that are not in their core competency. And so they end up, you know, taking on things that they, that, you know, that they can't handle ultimately. But I do believe it's important to be a really good lawyer and then you can be an entertainment lawyer or whatever kind of lawyer you want to be. When I was first started out, I wanted to be, you know, my models were Johnny Cochran and Willie Gary. I thought Johnny <laughs> fought for justice and I thought Willie fought for the money. Right. And I wanted to be a blend of those two. Um, and I still I still keep that in the back of my mind because that's that's essentially where I'm at, you know, uh, when I'm, you know, when I'm practicing law. You've given us bits and pieces of your story. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like your parents were really, really straightforward with you. Yeah. Can you talk to me about the moments where you've kind of gotten derailed or maybe things that have led up to you having to write that statement and go through that and what snapped you back? I think it's, it's, it's life, man. I mean, I'm a young black man dealing with the social norms that we deal with in our society, right? And, you know, in in our culture, a lot of times we have a lot of things thrown at us and we have, you know, there's there's choices you can make. And sometimes we make the right choices and sometimes we don't. I think that I'm not infallible. I've definitely made some mistakes in my life. But, you know, by the grace of God, I've been able to overcome a lot of them and find a different path to achieve the same goal. Um, I think that my parents, you know, always instilled in me not to quit. And, um, and you know, 
I think that that's the main thing. I think, you know, I take that quote that Jay-Z says, he's like, the genius thing that we did was we never quit, right? We never stopped, right? I think that that's, you know, most entrepreneurs or most successful people or um, can, you know, would say the same thing because life is a journey. You, you, you know, you make mistakes along the way and, you know, you're like, damn, like I got to adjust. I got to figure this out. You know what I mean? What has been a moment where you really had to go back in that, never quit bag like what was your first major when I flunked challenge? out of law school yeah I never I never flunked out flunked it I like you know I failed some classes like failed not classes but some tests right but failing like out of law school the very first time it was super embarrassing I was a president of the Black Law Students Association so because I was like you know I was always I was always popular I you know I was, I was funny I had jokes and stuff so it was like I was cool with everybody and I got elected to um um to be the president of BALSA at the time, and then I flunked out. That when the grades, my grades came out, I was wasn't asked to come back. That was really, really extremely hurtful. And for two years, I had to sit out because there's an ABA rule that says basically that if you want to go to an accredited school, if you fl- fail out, you have to sit out for two years. Wow! So I had to sit out for two years. In that two-year time period, I was kind of lost, didn't know what I wanted to do, and um, I was trying to figure it out. And I resorted to selling weed, and that wasn't the you know that that I had my bumps and bruises with that, and then the the other like life defining moment for me with that was I got into a, a shootout in a one bedroom apartment it was with no furniture. Like that was like that was wild, and I wow. was like, you know, I, I, this isn't. I don't want to ever do this again. Wow. And so I went back and um, I applied back to law school, and uh, the dean who um, I made an impression upon the first time I went was he accepted me back in, and so I really. Took it super serious the second time I went around. I mean, I like barely had any friends. You know, that was it. That was my thing. So it was like I had a fire, a burning fire in the in my belly to be the best and to be as as good as I could be and the best that I could be. I don't think you can be an entrepreneur without this. I mean, there's a, there's this common thread, of course, that you know the burning thread, the mm-hmm. perseverance, the listening, the making mistakes, taking cues. Um, taking that information and translating it into um, applying it to other scenarios. Vital pivots. I mean, it's just really, you know, this is what's required. And and so I get driven insane sometimes. You know, there's people that believe they're entrepreneurs, but they're not. Mm -hmm, I mean, there's just, mm -hmm. you know, or they want to be and they don't necessarily realize the um, the sacrifice. barriers and the yeah. sacrifices the and the, the intensity required. that's yeah. required to keep this alive mm-hmm. over the long haul. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one thing to have something for six months. It's another thing to hit six years and then to hit like 10, 15 and maybe be 60 years. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's a whole nother experience. Um, but I really want to ask you. So you and this is something that's been fascinating to me because, you know, entertainment law is so different mm-hmm. than other types of law practice. Mm-hmm. How did you get into the entertainment law space? Because you're you're dealing with intellectual property as well, right? So what 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 is the place that made you say this is it for me? I love this. This is what I want to do because entertainment in general is tough. Making it in the music business is a dream that all of us have, including myself. I might add, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. I think um, what happened with me is it was a, a, a number of different events, and I think you you touched on it when you said following your life cues. Um, my grandparents were entertainers starting out, right? And so I watched them as a young kid, you know, um, entertaining to pay the bills, right? And to help, you know, help to pay their bills. And then, a lot, you know, as they got older, my mom and 
um, and my dad and and my uncle and my, the rest of my family kind of took care of them, have been taking care of them. But <clears throat> we got the bug from them. My uncle played the drums for, um, you know, a bunch of bands like the Spinners and and um, a bunch of other groups. And, uh, and, you know, my mom always had us in church choirs. So I was always like, you know, in some kind of performance, right, growing up. And when I got to, co- to college, um, I realized that there was an actual, you know, music business that was that, that we had, I had a connection to through a friend of mine. And um, we started a record company in college. And from there, um, at the time that we were starting it, there were a lot of other people that were uh, young and trying to, you know, exercise. Like they were, How do I say it? They were actually um, taking advantage of the fact that hip-hop was, was starting to become a movement and a real big thing. And people were starting to really make money in hip-hop. And so it was just like a fortunate thing, you know, for me in, in the sense that a lot of my friends were from New York and D.C. and and um, and from places where they were connected to people that were in the entertainment business. And I found my connectivity from there and already had like a, a an, an understanding of it to some degree or an inkling to kind of be involved with it for my family. And, um, and then, you know, so I just, you know, went with that. But I think it goes back to what you said. It's like following the cues, following life, life's cues. Sometimes in, in life for me, it's, um, you know, doors have been shut in my face. And when I, you know, when I, like I said, I interned at, I can't, I think it was Procter & Gamble, one of those, one of those, um, one of those uh, big companies. I worked for the Department of Navy offices, office, you know, the Office of Space Corps, something like that. I forgot what it's called, but <laughs> nonetheless, I did all this the stuff. The Office of the Space yeah, Corps. Yeah, I was what, like, wait, clearly wait, what, I shouldn't have been there. What job is that? The yeah, Office you know, of the yeah, Space like, Corps. You know, listen, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's like, I, like, I feel like I'm here because I followed the cues. And oh, yeah. that's really it. We're in a performance culture. The internet has really democratized information and intellectual property. Um, Hip hop is hitting a peak that is engulfing different types of genres and really like the power is undeniable at this point. So with the fact that people can disseminate their intellectual property, their art, their music, all of that so freely on the internet, what are some of the things that you've learned as you've evolved as a lawyer and still been working with artists about the hurdles that young entrepreneurs and creators and musicians are facing when it comes to protecting their intellectual property in light of the internet. Protect your work. I think the best thing that I try to tell young artists is that you can, it doesn't cost, the the barrier to protect your work is not as as big as you think it is. It's, um, you can go, there's resource, there are resources out there that you can use to try to protect your work, either through trademarking your own work or copywriting your own work protect your intellectual property as much as you can and respect other people's intellectual property. And meaning that in the event that, you know, let's say I'm a rapper and you're a producer and you've made a beat and I found it on online on the internet and I record over your beat and then the song becomes huge uh, or becomes, you know, you know, it starts to get a lot of attention, then it would behoove me to reach out to you and try to work out something fair with you Early on, as opposed to waiting when, you know, after the fact when, you know, or allowing the door to be open for someone else to come in and steal your beat. And, you know, then it becomes, you know, your opportunity is is either diminished or it's gone. Right. 
One of the things I think that I find really interesting about your career is um, how much you love music mm-hmm. and how much you seem to love your artists by what I've seen on Instagram. Right. Um, I feel like you take personal interest in what they're doing. You show up for them. You're right. in the pictures. Um, I think you put yourself out there in ways that most lawyers that I know, they're so, I don't want to say afraid, but maybe it is, or maybe it's even a legal issue. They don't put themselves out in the front. They're always in the background. They're very careful about you know, their online presence, and many don't even have one, Yeah. right? I so, think- I, I mean, in addition to the fact that I'm saying, how do you maintain such solid, loving relationships, mm-hmm. but also professional ones, and then by extension, because you are in the entertainment space and you're a lawyer, where is your fear of, of, of you know, not putting yourself out there? I'm fearful at times. You are, yeah, you are scared. 100%. You just sometimes, don't show it. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, well, it depends. You, I don't post everything, but sometimes <laughs> I'm oh, definitely— really? yeah. Do tell. Yeah. Do tell no. us. It, 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 I, you know, some things, you, I think you just got to be, you know, um, you've got to think it through. And, and, uh, and there's a balance. Like, you know, in my instance, I started a, uh, a company called Art at War, and it's a, it's a label. Oh, right. And so I've got five acts. Right, and I promote their exploits, and I manage an act as well um, with uh, with a partner of mine. But you know, I do my best to try to promote the artists that I have an interest in, and that's it. And that's from my from my perspective as the CEO of my company. And my so, because company. because of that, then you have to have an intimate relationship, is what you're saying, yeah, in order definitely. to get to know them. And that's sort of what comes across really clearly on your public profiles. Yes. Okay. And as a lawyer. Lawyer, being a lawyer sometimes can be a thankless job in the entertainment space. Um, and then being a manager can be a thankless job as well. People run to their lawyer generally when they have a problem and they want their lawyers to figure it all out. And um, and they're probably in crisis. When so you say problem, it's crisis, crisis, right? Yeah, not all the time, but some, a lot of times it's in, they're in crisis mode. A lot of times it's clearances and, you know, um, and, and things of that nature that, that you have to deal with as a lawyer but mm-hmm. um, and contracts. But you know, a lot of times, too, you do deal with, with crisis. You know, oh, so-and-so got into a fight this week, this weekend, and he's getting sued. Or so-and-so, you know, you know, something happened. He's been arrested and, you know, he needs to get out of jail. Or, you know, he's been accused of, you know, some kind of misconduct or something like that. And um, so you're, you're dealing with that. And you've got to you consistently be thinking about how to figure it out. Now, in those instances, if you get a good outcome— you know, you stand next to your client, you're looking good. Right. Right. Um, but in those instances when, you know, sometimes it's, you know, you don't want to be that guy who's just like promoting your guy and he's like sitting there like, you know, um, just coming out of some crazy hardship. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You don't want to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. So you really just want to help people. If you, you know, in my, in my opinion, as a lawyer, when I've got my lawyer hat on, if I'm trying to help someone and, um, if they want the attention, then I'll give it to them. But if not, then I tr- just try and you know let them, you know, manage it from the background. Do you have um, competitors? Yeah, one hundred percent. Who are your competitors? And- it's a bunch of them. Okay. I mean, you know, I'm so competitive with them. I don't want to speak their name. Got you. Got you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so just thinking about, um, you know, I feel like you do stand alone in some ways. Um, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I think you do, and I'm, I'm trying to understand some of the strategies that you deploy to get the client, you know, um, and to protect the clients you have. 
and to go um, up against other lawyers and your competitors. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, you're in, you're in the entertainment business. You're really good at what you do. Um, you're also in the hip hop space. I'm sure you have people, you have, a, you have other guys at your back constantly or other women. Yeah. I think, um, my, my main thing is I think what I'm really good at is finding things early. And, oh. um, and that just comes back. So wait, to, does that mean you're a scout too? What do you um, mean by that? I guess. I mean, people refer me stuff and I can sift through it. I can like, you know, kind of filter through it and determine if something's going to be hot or not. I've been really good at that. Okay. So, okay. Let me just back up for a minute. You have your law business. Mm-hmm. You said you just launched the label. The label. Yep. And then is I also read recently that you've done something with Atlantic Records. Yeah, we that partnered just was, with Atlantic Records. Is too. that the, the label the, you launched? Label. So yes. talk a little bit about that too. So I've got a label called Art at War. Um, we've got five acts. There's a, a, a first. Our first signing was YBN Namir. Um, he's got two platinum singles and a gold uh, and a gold album. Um, we've got another gentleman by the name of another artist by the name of YBN Almighty J, um, who's found found success with an artist by the name of YBN Corday. Who has an album coming out July 26th. Um, and then we've got an artist named Skate, um, and who's got going on tour with Wiz Khalifa, and he's got a project coming this this um later on this summer. Then we've got we've got our, our latest signing is a young lady named Juicy Fruit from Memphis. I love that name. Yeah, she's dope. She's super dope. Mm-hmm. And um, and then we manage a, a kid by the name of YK Osiris, who is a Def Jam. He's got two, one platinum single and one gold single. Have any of your past artists taken you to the next level? In terms of your um, ability to get larger, you know, contracts, larger acts. I mean, I is think there all been- of the artists. It, it, I think, uh, you know, your your the success that you have with any artist allows you. It opens up new doors and new opportunities. Mm-hmm. I think, and you know, one of the things I'm very proud of is the work that I did uh, with with um, branding and 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 finding and developing Machine Gun Kelly, mm-hmm. right? Because in his instance, we. We're able to diversify um, his entertainment portfolio. So we started out with music and then went to film and TV and went to brand endorsement deals, started a music festival, and have really kind of made him into a household name from uh, a young kid from Cleveland. Um, He's from my hometown, went to my high school, um, got a lot of love for him. He's like, you know, uh, a little brother. Uh, but um, I think that, you know, to your point, I think that we've had a lot of success with him and opened a lot of doors in that instance. Um, and so there's a lot of, you know, I'm proud of that, mm-hmm. that those moments. You did so much with him. Mm-hmm. Was that a collaborative process? I mean, th- this is what I was saying earlier. I can tell by mm-hmm. your public profile the relationships that you cultivate mm-hmm. with your clients and even with people that are not your clients did you work together with him with all these different components that you built that Absolutely. helped him elevate? and? Absolutely. Oh. It starts, starts out, I think one of the most powerful relationships you can have is to have someone with, a, to, to pair someone or to pair people that have a dream and people that have know-how, right? And then they have faith in each other, right? To really build the process out. Because just like we started out saying, it's, 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 it's a journey. So there's ups, there's downs. There's good times, there's bad times, you know, and you have to be able to suffer through it and uh, together and and have faith in the fact that you'll get there together. Mm-hmm. And in his instance, I think that we had faith in each other, that we would get there together, and that was um, what was in large part fueled our success. 
that's amazing. And like Jin just said, it does look like you're very invested in the artists that you work with. With your work, people's dreams are on the line and things that they've left every other opportunity to do. How do you deal with when that doesn't work out for them? How do you stay mentally um, sound in those moments of feeling that with someone that you're that close with and has work, have worked that hard to, to realize their dream? Because statistically speaking, it's not for everybody, right? <laughs> like Sometimes what happens is, you know, like to your point, if the, if the success doesn't come as quickly as they'd like it to come, then people get frustrated, right? And in their frustration, it's, it's just human nature, you know, depending on the personality, sometimes people will come home and kick the dog or point fingers at the people around them, Right. And so you have to deal with that. And then, you know, but at the same time, I've got to make a living and I've got to pay my, my my bills and I've got employees and I've got people that rely on me. So, you know, if in fact the, the you know, the artist is, you know, artist A is, we've you know, we've partnered up and we've agreed to achieve, to climb the mountaintop and we don't quite get there. And if it becomes an issue of, well, it's your fault and you did this and you did that and, they're, you know, you, you try to just let them, you, you got to back off. And it's, it, it's hurtful at times because, you know, you all have dreams together, but then you also realize you, you get to learn people, right? Because, you know, I, I managed an act one time and I realized that my dream was to go to, like, it was to go to the Super Bowl. If we were like a, super, a, 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 a football team, my dream was to go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. Their goal was to get to the playoffs. <laughs> and I was like, that, was, that wasn't hot. Like, I was like, this would, I, you know, because every time when we, I felt like when we needed to get to the next level, it was like an excuse. Oh, you know, I'm tired. I, you know, oh man, you know, I couldn't, you know, meet the appointment. I was late or whatever. And, you, you know, to, in order to succeed and to be competitive, you got to realize, like, look, you can't do these kinds of things. You can't, you know, um, you, there's a certain formula you got to follow. And, and you got to have respect for uh, the other people that are also in the game doing the same thing that you're trying to do. And if you don't respect that process, then you'll just make the playoffs and that'll be it. But you can't expect everybody to want to sit around and just make the playoffs every year. Some of us really want to win a Super Bowl. What are some of the most sort of devastating things that have happened to you in your journey through entrepreneurship? And now I would suggest you're not even an entrepreneur anymore. You have a business. You have multiple businesses. So, you know, what are some of the places where you've had really crazy things happen where and, and what have you done to get out of it? And that could be either emotional or financial or... It's, it's unfortunate sometimes when people don't see, when people that you build with and you don't see eye to eye. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's a falling out of the relationship that is hurtful. Right. But at the same time, you have to adjust and you've got to, you know, move forward with the understanding that you've done the best that you can do and you are the best person that you could possibly be in this situation. And sometimes, you know, when you're building something up, let's say uh, Esther and I build a company up and you're her lawyer. Right. Or you're like, you know, you see what we're doing and you want to you know, play a part in it. And we start, Esther and I have huge success. And we're like, well, you know, Ginger, we, we're doing our thing. You know, we, we don't know, really know how you fit in. And then next thing you know, you start throwing salt, right? 
and you've got a relationship with Esther that I don't have. And you start telling Esther, oh, do you, you saw James didn't dot his eyes and cross his teeth. James did this. James, you know, Jay walked across the street. James, you know, and, you're, and, and Esther starts being like, yeah, James, you know, looking at me funny or, or whatever. And it's like, you know, the hate, the hate that comes in. I think that's one of the most disappointing things, but you got to deal with it and it makes you tougher and it, and it makes you adjust for the next time period. And wow. it's a, it's a life thing. It's not just an entrepreneurial thing. It's not just a, you know, it, it happens in all walks of life. I we've, mean, we've talked about we've that. We've been that's talking about this. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I feel yeah. like it's, it's, you got to like, you got, you know, yeah. stay sucker free. You know? Sucker free, stay sucker free. That's our next stay shirt. Sucker free. Yeah. Shirt at a point. <laughs> like I'm telling you, man, because it's, it's, the, the haters are out here, and they're, they're like every moment that you're building, they're they're here just to tear you down, and it's you know they're miserable, and dealing with that is one of the hardest parts because sometimes they come in the form of friends, family, people that you feel like, yo, what? Not you. A two Brute? Brutus? Like, 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 yeah, like the knife in the side yeah, in the like, middle uh, of everybody. That's the that's one of the hard the poison ones to in deal the drink. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. but you know. You know, I mean, some of what you're describing, I feel like is definitely applicable to every aspect of every yeah. business life I've been in. And and, and I when, when you were talking about this, I like to think of was, you know, there's so many crabs in the barrel and we're yeah. all fighting for you know, there's so much to go around. Why are we fighting over this? Just yeah. move on to the next conquest. Mm-hmm. You know, um, find your own path. Find your own journey. Look for your own, you know, cues. And, and sometimes you know, people... sometimes we're working together. Sometimes we're not. But, you know, yeah. we just keep moving forward um, because we're never going to get anywhere unless we do. You yeah, know, and, I mean. Yep. And to your point, sometimes our own people can be our worst enemy. Absolutely. You know, they yeah. will try to tear you down and. And, you know, it, it, you just got to avoid those people. Yeah, but sometimes you don't know they're there. No, because they, they, they disguise themselves they're very disguised. well. Do you yeah. find it hard to trust people um, no. when you're dealing with art and entertainment no. and collaboration? I, I no. think, honestly, yeah. my I think and everybody's different. But my thing is is that you lead with what you want, which with, with what you want to get. So I lead with respect. You know, my, my um, ability to discern between bullshit. And real shit is pretty high. You know, again, when you lead with trust, you get you deal with everything, right? So I deal, I've dealt with all the hustlers, you all the pimps. You lead with all trust? The, yes, I try to. Because at the end of the day, it's like, you know, if I, like, if I lead with trying to help people. Okay. Right? I like so, that better than leading with trust. I okay. mean, like leading with, I try to help people is an instinct that I have, which sometimes burns me. But it's the same thing. When you're trying to help someone, really? not all of the time. You're in my, in my instance, what I do, I've got a unique skill set, right? I, you know, again, I, I, I really take it very seriously in being a very good lawyer. So I've done everything from a capital murder trial to signing, you know, a cousin Boo Boo to a big record deal, right? Or to signing him to a management company with his cousin Cleon, right? That because they got a dream and that's what they want to do. <laughs> Right. right. But it's a cross spectrum. Mm-hmm. So but every every step of the way, sometimes these people have money. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes I get stuck with a bill and I'm like, oh, Yo, you need to pay me. And they're like, oh, I really don't have it. Some people, you know, but we but if I try and, and, and lead with the fact that I'm trying to help them, it's kind of like leading with trust anyway, because I'm not a lot of times, you know, depending on the situation, they may or may not have the money to pay me, you know, what I'm what I would normally charge someone else. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Sounds I, like a lot of sincerity. Sincerity. I love what I do. I absolutely love what I do. And I think that that shines through. Like, you know, I love it. Like, you know, it keeps me up at night, wakes me up early in the morning. 
you know. Um, and you have to love it to run your own, uh, you know, company. You really I think, do. I, I, honestly, my spin on that is that in order to be, you know, successful in anything that you do and to be blessed, it's a blessing to really love what you what you do. Because you think about it, like you said, there's a lot of people that have worked their buns off, you know, um, you know, for other people or doing things that they don't necessarily like to do. Like, look at you guys. You guys are here hustling from Chicago, set up everything at Google, and you've got this great, you know, podcast going on. And this is your dream. Like, you know what I mean? A lot of mm-hmm. people don't get to see or fulfill their dreams. They don't get the vision or they're afraid. They live in fear, right? So to be to be able to do to do what I'm doing, you know, I'm real, I really, again, too, because of my journey, I've, you know, I've been, you know, on my ass. So I've, I've seen the other side, too, and I definitely don't want to go back there again. Wow. You know? Um. How do you network, Jimmy? I mean, what you know, you're 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 doing so much traveling. Yeah. Um, you have t- so many clients. Mm-hmm. You have um, how many people on your staff? Um, how many lawyers? How many partners do you have with your law firm? Um, it's only me and one other partner. Okay. And um, and he does mostly all of li- all of the litigation. All the litigation. Yeah, okay. And I've got another partner who does a lot of the transactional work. Okay. And that's how we we you know get it done, but. The networking piece, though. Mm-hmm. So in addition to taking care of your clients who you have really um, intimate relationships with, you are new business developing. How do you network? And, and, you know, is this all word of mouth for you? A lot of it. A lot of times I'm, I meet people through, through, you know, referrals. I meet people on airplanes. I meet people in lobbies. I meet people, at you know, just all over the place. And you have a pitch. Not necessarily. I mean, you said airplanes. That's like no time. Yeah, but that's when, you know, people are sitting next to you. Sometimes people are friendly. Some people are not. Sometimes they, they sit next to you and they want to chat. Mm-hmm. And you chat them up and, and um, and you know, a friendship sparks. So you're always on. I don't know about that. I mean, I you know, I try to be pleasant. When I meet people, I feel right? like I feel like I feel like I'm always on. You are. Is that oh, a good thing no or a bad thing? <laughs> I know, right? Like, what does that you mean? You are. That's that's what good that because you're running something that's very high energy. Yeah. But something that I notice about you is that you seem reserved, which is interesting for a lawyer in the entertainment space. Yeah, that's working what I'm... with the type of people that you're working really? with. Are I come you, across do you, as reserved? Do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? No, I, I definitely am not an introvert. Okay. I definitely. Um, I think you know. I think what we all have to do is maintain our energy and monitor our energy. And so maybe the reservation is is coming it's coming across that way. But it's it's like, you know, at the same time, I I, you know, I've gotta protect my energy. Right. And what I mean by that is that people will take advantage of your energy and use your energy for their purposes and not, you know, feed your energy in turn in turn. Right. So in my instance, I try, you know, again, you know, I, I do, I've, I recognize at an early age that I've got a lot of energy, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I, I, I have to be somewhat reserved in the sense of I can't give all my energy to everybody, right? So that's really, maybe that's what it is, you know? So as a black man yep. working in a space where black people are usually on the opposite side of the table, speaking mm-hmm. of using other people's energy, historically speaking, how important is it for some of the people that you work with to see someone like them on the other side of the table? 
I think it's important. I think it's, it's hopefully it's inspiring. I do, I do try to you know share my story wherever I can, so to to hopefully inspire the next generation or someone else who you know may be going through a similar circumstance or you know may you know want to know how to you know what my journey was and what my steps were. But I think it's really important to to you know um, share your story. And I, like a lot of times, I give my phone number out to and to people who text message me or email me and I try to, you know, be as responsive as I can be uh, with also, but, but at the same time, being respectful of my own time. How do people reach you? Um, my email address is james.mcmillan. That's M-C-M-I-L-L-A-N at J-E-M-P-C dot com. And all my, my entertainment email is james at art at war E-N-T dot com. And what about your Instagram channel? Oh, it's Jimmy Nichols, J-I-M-M-Y-N-I-C-K-L-E-S. I mean, you know, what a great name, Jimmy Nichols. <laughs> when you say that, I'm like, <laughs> it makes me smile. Someone's got to drop that in a rap song That's at hilarious. some point, right? Like, come on. Yeah, hopefully in the right way. It's uh, too easy. <laughs> and when will we hear more about your Atlanta record, record records deal? I mean, hopefully, you know, the, the goal here is to become a, a, a conglomerate, right? So. You know, we're, we're, our goal is to, every day is to find the next hot thing and to find hot artists and to, you know, uh, plug in with them and bring their talents to the world, right? That's, that's, that's it. And, and create, you know, awesome, amazing content along the way, whether it be, you know, right now it's music. Uh, we have aspirations to do movies and, um, and other forms of art as well. Um, so, um, so that's it. Wow. Esther. Every single time. Man. We're really on a roll with this. I'm telling you. This has been an amazing conversation. Jimmy's you guys the are best. Super cool. Thank you so much for having this conversation with us and sharing your energy with us. And Thank it's a you. very real. And when I said reserved, I really meant like there's a sense of calm about you that is also very calming. That is probably something that people really appreciate so? in a lawyer. I see inside, I'm like, you know, bouncing off the walls. And that's no, okay. No. I'm that way too. Yeah, I'm like, ah! it's yeah. Mm-mm. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for sharing your energy with us. I'm Esther Coro. And I'm Ginger Birkenbiel. And we'll see you next time. The Honest Field Guide podcast is produced by Burke Creative, written and created by Ginger Birkenbiel and Esther Coro. The podcast is recorded in the innovation and technology capital of the Midwest, Chicago, at Stomping Ground Studios in Ukrainian Village. Original music is written by and provided courtesy of Utah Carroll. Follow Honest Field Guide on Instagram and Twitter. The opinions expressed on the Honest Field Guide are opinions only and only represent the views of Ginger Burke and Buell and Esther Ikora. E.